0: Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Let's open up our Bibles this morning as we turn to the Word of God. Very encouraging. Let's go to the book of James and chapter 1. I love the book of James because of its uh, bluntness because it speaks to us without holding back or candy coating. Sometimes it's a little harsh, but guess what? Sometimes we need some harshness. Sometimes we need to hear from God in plain understanding. We're here this morning on this Sunday morning to continue a series that we've been going through about the topic of habits, of building new habits and getting rid of old bad habits. The power of habits in our lives, how many understand this morning, you are today a product of previous habits, whether for the good or for the bad. If there are good things in your life, now uh, we're not talking about blessings. Sometimes we get undeserved blessings from God. That's called his grace. And so there are, yes, thank God for his blessings that he puts into our lives. But for most of what we have in our lives, it is a result of habits, whether good or Bad. And so we recognize that every, with every new year that passes, we have an opportunity. People make new year's resolutions. And because we recognize that we're not, we haven't arrived yet. We're not perfected yet. There are always areas in our lives that we can continue to improve. The word of God tells us that we should be changing from glory to glory into his likeness and his image. And so even if you are the most righteous person in the church this morning, you're still not done. And you can't uh, you can't uh, just uh, say that I I have arrived. I have completed my. No, if you if you are completing your journey, uh, that means you're going to be in a casket soon. Right. So we need to continue to press forward, press on, perfecting the habits of our lives. And New Year's is a great opportunity to do that because. It is at New Year's that we can measure our lives with accuracy. So in part one of this series, we considered the words of our Savior as he rebuked the Pharisees for their assumption that the corruption comes only from the outside as a result of failing a ceremony. Instead, he taught us that if we want to change, we have to begin by recognizing that evil comes from within the man, not from without. We learned that if there are things in our lives we don't like, the answer is not to blame other people or circumstances or generational curses. That we can't, the only way that we can begin to find change and, uh, and do habits in our lives is to take responsibility for our lives. We looked also then at the incredible power of consistency as we build habits in our lives. Consider that even a 1% change in your life even a 1% change, even if all you could do was change 1% in the next week and 1% in the following week and another 1% in the third week. If you stayed consistent with that, by the end of the year, your life would be half better. That is a powerful thought to consider. The compounding effect of good habits on our lives. Our habits, as quoted by mr sean covey he says our habits will make us or break us we become what we repeatedly do and last week we observed uh from the life of the prophet daniel and we uh, were encouraged about how to begin new habits in our lives the prophet daniel showed us the results of a life of good habits he had a habit of daily prayer and the incredible effects that this had on his own life, this daily habit of prayer uh, was nothing to write home about. It was, you know, he he didn't speak like the Pharisees did on the street corner, pronouncing all of their uh, pontificating, all of their powerful words and multisyllabic language. And uh, all he did was he turned his face to Jerusalem three times a day, and because of that powerful habit that he had, uh, it gave him a life worthy of imitation. Gave him an excellent spirit. He became a candidate for promotion. He also became a target for accusation. And this ultimately is what helped him to overcome the lion's den. Because how many know you'll never survive the lion's den without good habits in your life. And so we looked at uh, what it takes to build good habits. And today we want to look also at the idea of not just building new habits in our lives for the good but also eliminating the behaviors that are dragging us down. And I want to share some truth with you this morning from the book of James, chapter 1. And I'm going to read uh, from uh, something called the Good News Translation because it has an interesting uh, twist. So James 1, verse 21 in the Good News Translation says this, So get rid of every filthy habit. And all wicked conduct. Submit to God and accept the word that he plants in your hearts, which is able to save you. Do not deceive yourselves by just listening to his word. Instead, put it into practice. If you listen to the word, but do not put it into practice, you are like people who look into a mirror and see themselves as they are. They take a good look at themselves and then go away and once forget what they look like. But if you look closely into the perfect law that sets people free and keep on paying attention to it and do not simply listen and then forget it, but you put it into practice, you will be blessed by God in what you do. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your grace, for your power, for your mercy. We're asking God that you would touch hearts this morning. Help us to eliminate those habits in our lives that are distracting God, that are uh, that are detrimental to our future and to the person that you've called us to be. God, give us grace and mercy and power to change our lives for the better through the power of the Holy Spirit and your word. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God's people would say, amen. We're glad that you're here this morning. This is a message I've titled, Ending Something Old. And I want to challenge you today because how many understand it's hard to change? And the older you get, the harder it gets to change things in your life. And we can become very discouraged, especially if there are habits that we have that we have attempted to break in the past, and we have been unsuccessful. And so we begin to tell ourselves, we begin to build this new theology about ourselves, which says, I must have to be this way, that, that I just have to learn how to accept This particular thing in my life because I've tried to change in the past. It hasn't worked. So I guess God just wants me to be poor or God just wants me to be unhealthy or God just wants me to have a house full of drama or God just wants me to continue to have problems in my mind and with temptation or God just wants me to be addicted to pornography or God just, and these are the lies we begin to tell ourselves. These are the habits that are poisoning our lives, but the problem is when we begin to just settle and say, well, I guess it just has to be this way. Let me remind you this morning, nobody here has ever made a plan or set a goal to have a wicked outcome in your life, right? Nobody has ever set a goal or made a plan to constantly be living in poverty. You know, when you graduated high school, You're looking to your future, and you never said, oh, how I wish that when I'm 40 years old, I'd still be living paycheck to paycheck and barely scraping by. Nobody ever thought that, right? Nobody ever wanted that. Oh, how, uh, you know, you would dream of what life would be like as an adult. And there's, uh, listen, Jacob, I want you to not distract, please, okay? Thank you. And so nobody ever looked forward to their life and said, oh, how I wish one day I could be 100 pounds overweight. Nobody ever thought that, right? Nobody ever made a goal, one day, like Homer Simpson, I'm going to be so fat that I can get on disability. One day I'd like to die young and miss out on the lives of my grandchildren. Right? Nobody ever has that as a goal in their life. Nobody ever said, oh, how I wish that one day I could be addicted to some chemical, alcohol, or drugs. My life could be out of control. Nobody wishes for that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wishes for a day that they would divorce their spouse, right? Nobody ever goes to the altar of marriage pronouncing vows that I'll stay with you till the end of our lives uh, for good or for evil, for for better, for worse, through sickness, through health, unless we don't get along. Nobody ever makes that goal, right? One day I hope to be married for five years and then get a, 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 a terrible, painful divorce, Nobody ever wishes that they would have a mediocre life that really makes no difference. Nobody wishes for these things, right? And yet, isn't it interesting that there are so many people who end up experiencing those outcomes, not because you've planned for it, not because you have wanted and wished for that, but simply through letting things happen as they happen for not paying attention, for slipping into bad habits. I'm to tell you, this is how bad habits begin. It is through the lack of willpower. It is not through wanting or wishing to do something, but a bad habit comes uh, like a thief in the night. It comes subtly. It, a, a bad habit... Uh, enters your life not because you wanted it to, but just by floating like a tennis ball down a river experiencing life as it hits you. sometimes it's a result of trauma, sometimes it's a result of, of just falling into this is how we communicate. I fell into a bad habit. It wasn't something you jumped into wasn't something you wanted but bad habits appear even many times. Without us wanting them to. And see, what we do is we begin to oversimplify. When we see someone in a terrible tragedy that was of their own doing, we begin to oversimplify some things, right? We see a guy who, for example, is strung out on, uh, you know, on some horrible uh, drug or heroin or, you know, crack cocaine and has to go to rehab. and, And we, we, in one sentence, we think we figured out why it happened. Well, he just, uh, he got caught on drugs and then he ruined his life. How many know it wasn't that easy? That result, that outcome is a result of years of decisions being made. And by the way, when you don't make a decision, you are making a decision. When you don't make a decision to clean up your life, you are making a decision to stay bound, Right, we look at a a divorced couple, and I, I'm not beating up on you if you've had a divorce. I'm, this is this is just one way we see it being expressed in our world today. We look at a couple that gets a divorce, and we say, "Well, you know, they just uh, they after after two years of marriage, I guess they just didn't like each other, so they got a divorce." And we try to make it oversimplified, like, but that's not how it happens. Can you imagine? A- and it's very common. Even less time than that. In six months or in a year, you have a couple that is so wildly in love with one another, they get married, and in a short time, they begin to turn on each other. How do you explain that? It's not just overnight. It's not just in a moment. It is when two people making decisions that drive them apart little by little over time. See, things that don't seem so bad in a moment... But these bad habits that we fall into can begin to add up over time. And this is where we see devastating consequences in our lives. We have this uh, example in the book of Judges, the life of Samson. It's such an interesting story. But there's this scripture in, in Judges 16, verse 1, where it says, One day, Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. So it's like encapsulating all of the things that are wrong with his life in one short sentence. But, you know, the Bible is, is almost oversimplifying the process of how he got there. Cause think about this. Where is Gaza? Gaza is the capital of the Philistine nation. What business does he have there in the first place? Right, The people of God were not supposed to be together with the people of Gaza. So somewhere along the way, there was a compromise. And he told himself, oh, those Philistines are not so bad. Hey, they got a nice uh, theater down there. I like to watch a few shows every once in a while, right? And so he began to compromise in his mind, in his spirit. And and he says, okay, I'll just go down there to Gaza. But there's another thing you got to understand. How far is Gaza from Israel? 25 miles. That is not a short amount of distance. For someone who would be on foot, most likely. You know how long it would take to walk twenty five miles? That's fifty six thousand two hundred and fifty average steps. One day Samson went down to Gaza. It didn't take him one day. It took him several days, perhaps weeks, with the intention, with the thought, you know what? I want to go to Gaza. I want to and we we uh, chastise Samson and we look at people who fall into temptation and and we think that it's you know he just he just made a mistake. This is more than just a mistake. He put himself in a bad situation long before the day he found a prostitute. Long before he was in that in, in that situation, he was in his mind compromising. Gaza's not such a bad place. And step by step by step times 25,000, he was telling himself, "I'll be okay. It won't be so bad. This is how, how many understand, this is how bad habits begin to form in our lives. which each, with each day, with each step, and you know each step is not evil, and God doesn't shoot you with a lightning bolt with each step. and he allows some flexibility in His will right for our lives and yet uh little by little we are leading our lives to a place which ultimately he's going to end up with his eyes plucked out of his head and pushing a millstone like an animal right and and so you know Samson never considered uh, you know you know it would be really nice if i would go you know sleep with a prostitute and have a nice night or two and uh and then i'll be enslaved for the rest of my life and blinded That was not in his plan. That was not his goal. But that's where he ended up. It was an effect of small decisions that added up to something terrible. My question to you this morning, who do you want to become? Remember, in uh, this series, we've talked about the most effective way to change is not to focus on the actual results that you want to see. It's not just that I want to lose 40 pounds. The, the real goal of my life is I want to be a healthier person. If your goal is to read 20 books this year, reading books is a good thing, learning things, gaining information. Your goal is not just how many books you want to read. Your goal should be, I want to be a person that reads books. Or if your goal this morning is to eliminate some unhealthy habit, you want to, you're saying to yourself, you know, I spend too much time on social media. I want to limit my time on social media on my uh, looking at my phone I want to limit that to one hour a day and that's the result you want to achieve but it's a mistake to just focus on that result what you should be doing this morning is asking yourself how do I become a person that is less addicted to my screen and what does a person's life like that look like And so the question we have to consider, what do you want to become? And the next logical question is, if that person that you want to become, consider the habits that are in your life today, are there any habits that are not helping you become that person? And this is where we can begin, as the book of James uh, commands us, to look into the mirror of God's word. This is what he said. Get rid of every filthy habit and wicked conduct. Submit to God and accept the word that he plants in your hearts, which is able to save you. You might not plan this morning to, uh, you know, to have unhealthy financial habits. But if you don't change, that's the road you're on. You might not plan this morning to, uh, to surrender your faith and to backslide in 20 years. Nobody plans to do that, and yet that's what some people will do because of the current habits. You're on the road which leads to destruction. So let's look then at how to break some of these bad habits. I want to remind you that the first step to changing your life is to know and acknowledge that you have a problem, right? If you are lying to yourself, no, my life is good. Everything's fine. No problem. Then you will never begin to change. If you've convinced yourself everything's good, my prayer life is good, my giving is good, you know, my, my devotion to God, my relationships with people, my finances, my fitness, ah, everything's fine. And what that is, is a false theology maybe you could start this morning in the in the book called atomic habits that some of this uh truth has been coming out of he makes a great recommendation and it's called a habit scorecard and so what he says is maybe maybe you have a bad habit in your life and you don't even realize it it's the problem of uh, body odor right when you have body odor it's it, scientific studies have actually proven this that your own body odor is Uh, is less perceptible to you than it is to other people. And so it's possible that you can stink the high heaven and not even know it. And you're wondering why people are looking at you funny and staying away from you. And it could be because you have a problem. It's the same problem with ego and pride. Did you know that pride is a sin that you can be completely unaware of and everyone else can sniff it on you? (laughs) He nasty. Pride is like that. A lot of sins are like and and uh, and it's possible that we can have bad habits in our lives that are leading us and we don't even realize it. And so uh, a recommendation that that we might put into practice this morning is something called a habit scorecard. Basically, he recommends that you think about your normal day. Think about a, a normal day, a, a routine day, something that you do every day. Sit down with a pen and a paper, or or open up your notes app, and just begin to make a list of things that you normally do. Wake up in the morning, use the bathroom, brush my teeth, and you just make a list and try to try to include as much as you can about that single day. And once you've put down an entire list of your normal day, then you can go back and consider are these things that are helping me become the person I want to be or not? And if there are positive things that you think are helping you to become that person, then you put a little plus sign next to it. If it's neutral, if it doesn't really have an effect on your life, then you can put an equal sign. But if there is something that you can honestly say, this is not helping me become the person that I want to be, then you can put a powerful little Minus sign next to it. For example, your list might be uh, uh, wake up, uh, turn off the alarm, check my phone, go to the bathroom, step on the scale, take a shower, brush my teeth, floss my teeth, put on the deodorant, hang up my towel to dry, get dressed, make a cup of tea. And whatever it is that you normally do, make, make your list. And once the list is full, you ask yourself, is this a good habit? Is this a bad habit? Or is this a neutral habit? It doesn't have an effect one way or the other. If on your list, uh, you know, you get home from work, uh, uh, hug the children and eat a bag of Doritos. Maybe we could consider that's not the best habit we can be in. Uh, eat a bag of Doritos while playing, uh, s- s- you know, six hours of Call of Duty. You know, m- maybe we could honestly assess and say, is this really helping me become the person that God wants me to be? And so uh, what this will do simply is to help you look in the mirror. Our scripture speaks about a mirror. It's very interesting. In verse 22, it says, Do not deceive yourselves just by listening to the word. Instead, put it into practice. See, this is the problem right here, is that we can sit in a service like this and say, Yes, pastor, preach that. And I can even say it to myself. Yeah, you're hitting some hot licks, dragoon that's exactly what they need to hear. How many know sometimes I need to hear that more than you do. I need to look in the mirror of my own life. What are the habits in my life that are detrimental to the person that God wants me to be? Because the danger is that we can hear the word and say, yes, amen. That's good for somebody else. And then not do the very thing I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. We're agreeing with. James says if you listen to the word but do not put it into practice, then you are like a certain person. Which person is it? It is the person who looks in a mirror, seeing themselves as they are, they take a good look and then go away and forget what they look like. It is like the person who stands in front of the mirror, hair all crazy. You know, you got one one part of your jacket tucked into your belt, and you're like, hey, I look pretty good. See you. It's uh, the person who, you know, who has a glimpse of reality but has convinced themselves everything's good. So the first step to ending something old, something that is detrimental to your life, is you've got to be honest. And this is where it helps to have good and godly friendships in your life. For some of you, your spouse, right? A spouse is somebody close enough to you that they can notice when you're crazy. When you say something that's crazy, that leads you down a road that is going to hurt you, Right? It's wonderful. This is why two are better than one. Marriage is such a gift because God allows this person to be so close to you that they can tell you, you acting stupid. Okay? Let's move on. <laughs> it's also great to have a church. A church is a place where we can be accountable to one another. The church in 2022 is being neglected. People say, I don't need a church. I have a Bible. I have a prayer life. I have YouTube. I don't need a church. And the problem with that is that if you live that virtual Christian life, you have nobody in your life that can examine you and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, have you considered maybe your life isn't great in this area? Maybe you could be doing better. Maybe you could be on time for prayer. Maybe you could, uh, you know, maybe you could study your Bible a little bit better. Maybe you could work on your marriage a little bit, brother. Maybe you could tighten up your finances and stop wasting money on foolishness, right? This is the church. The gift of the local church is to have accountability to one another. I want to tell you, uh, I am so grateful to God. God is the one who saved me. God is the one who forgave my sins. Jesus is the one who paid the price for me, and I'm eternally grateful for that. But I want to tell you, I am also eternally grateful for a church, for a pastor who who I can talk to, and he says, I, I wouldn't do that. But pastor, we got, you know, everything is it's going to be good. No, we tried that. It doesn't work well. And I walk away like this, and then I get over it after I throw my little pity party. Thank God for a pastor who leads us in the right direction. Thank God for brothers and sisters in the faith who can encourage us. This is how, church, that we can look in the mirror and deal with not what we want to see, but what we actually see. Maybe you could do this uh, habit list, a habit scorecard. Maybe do it together with somebody that you trust in the church. Take 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Share your scorecard with somebody else and say, can you help me stay accountable in my life to eliminate some things that are making me into a person I don't want to be? The second thing that we can do to eliminate something old, not just to be honest about it, but then we've got to make it difficult. We talked about last week how if you want to start a new habit, make it easy. Connect it to something that you're already doing. In the same way, church, we can use the opposite effect to eliminate habits that are detrimental to our lives. We can make it difficult. Proverbs 4, verse 14. It says, do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn away from it, and pass on. And so the the idea is, don't be surprised if you're walking on the path of evil when evil things happen. You shouldn't be surprised. If you are on the path of evil, then it's the next logical thing that happen. Evil is what comes next. Uh, the the writer of the Proverbs he rebukes the young man in Proverbs uh, chapter six because uh, he says, "Stay away from the door of the of the of that wicked woman. Don't even go near her house. Don't even walk by the neighborhood. Stay away from it because you know what? If you even go near it." There's a chance you'll be pulled in. Don't even find yourself in the same neighborhood. You know this is the problem with 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 uh, men and pornography. Not just men these days, women also. But you you give yourself opportunity. You find yourself alone at night with a device that doesn't have a filter on it. Guess what's going to happen? And parents, you leave your children alone with an internet connection. Uh, uh, you, you shouldn't be surprised when they start looking at wickedness because that's just what is out there. Listen to the Word of God. Make it difficult for yourself to sin. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. There are five major triggers that every one of us has. Brother, could you put that bottle on the floor for me? Thank you. There are five major triggers in our lives that lead us to bad habits. The first one is place, location. Your location is going to inform you about what kind of life you're going to live. Thank God you decided to be in a location this morning that's going to help you become the person you want to be. That's why I thank God for the live stream, for the technology that we have. But I want to tell you guys out there in live stream, land, it's not as good, you know this, it's not as good as being together in the house of God. You're less distracted. You have a, a sense of God's presence in a different way. And uh, and so, you know, you can't say, uh, I want to live for Jesus. And then in, in the same breath, I want to go party on Friday night. Right? Well, we know Jesus spent time with the sinners, but uh, Jesus did not allow himself to constantly be in that stream, in that location, in the place which would lead to wickedness. A second trigger is time. Be careful when you are doing certain things. Be careful because there are certain times of the day, how many know that are more dangerous than others? This is why that, you know, you shouldn't find yourself out on the highway after 2 p.m. or 2 a.m., right? If you can avoid it, don't be out there. I read a statistic some time ago and I found out that uh, about if you you are on the road from 2.30 a.m. until about 5.30 a.m., those three hours of the day, that probably half of those people that are driving in that time are intoxicated. And so don't be surprised, right? If you're out driving between 2.30 a.m. and 5.30 a.m., that's when most of the fatal accidents happen. Many, most of them. How not it interesting? Most of the drug trafficking. Most prostitution, most wickedness is happening when? At a certain time. At nighttime. That's why good and godly people should go to bed at night and wait till the sun comes up because that's the time God has allowed us to live for Him. Right? There are certain times in your life. Maybe it's personal to you. Times that you are alone. Times where other people are not around. We've been reading the story of Moses in my, in my Bible class and There's that famous scripture when Moses saw the the Egyptian guard beating one of his people. And the Bible says what? He looks this way and he looks that way. And when he saw that nobody was watching him, he slayed the man. If there would have been one person that he noticed watching him, his life could have gone a different direction. He probably would not have made that mistake. How many mistakes have we made in our lives because we look this way? And we look that way, and we perceive nobody was watching. How many know God's always watching? We need to watch out for these triggers, our mood. How many know your mood, the way that you're feeling today, has a major effect on your decisions? If you're feeling abandoned, you're feeling alone, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling uh, like nobody in the world cares about you, Oh, yeah, uh, you know, we, we feel good coming to the church. We sing some songs. We proclaim the victory. We get some good preaching, but then we get home <clears throat> and feelings can change on a dime. Feelings are like, like waves of the ocean that can begin to roll over the tide of our mind. And if we get in the wrong mood at the wrong time, it can be dangerous. Be careful what mood you find yourself in. This is why relationships are so critical in our lives. Think about David. David committed the worst sin of his life when he should have been in a different place. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year at the time, at the time when kings go out to battle. That's the time it was supposed to be. That was where he had been for his whole life. It's time to go fight. It's springtime. The snow is gone. It's time to do some battle and conquer some enemies. But instead, this year, for whatever reason, David sent Joab and his servants and all Israel. They destroyed the people of Ammon. They besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Maybe he told himself, I need a vacation. Maybe he said, you know, I'm just tired. You know, I'm sick of fighting. I'm sick of... The the burden of leading God's people, you know. I'm just you guys. You go fight. I'll stay back. This is what we tell ourselves on Saturday for evangelism. <laughs> uh, you guys, you know, man. I just, you know, I've had a rough week. Been difficult. I really, you know, I don't. I don't want to uh, take. I don't pay the personal price that is always involved when approaching somebody with the gospel. That awkward moment that we have to overcome every time. You know, it's just difficult. So, you know, you guys, you go on ahead. I'll stay in the back with the pack. Or worse, I'll stay at home with the remote. And many times it is in those times that we do things shameful. We make the worst mistakes. We find ourselves falling into the worst habits when we should be doing God's will. The studies are conclusive. The closer you are to someone the more likely you are to imitate their habits. It's An amazing study that was done that tracked 12,000 people for 32 years. There's a lot of things they discovered from this study. But one interesting thing was that if a friend of yours becomes obese, that the chances that you also become obese are 57%. Be careful who you hang out with is the lesson there. And conversely is also true. If you have a close friend that loses weight, other friends with that person, a third of the time, they also lost weight just by having a friend. The word of God says, be careful who you spend time with. Pastor Campbell has taught us, I can tell your future by the five people that you're closest to. Choose your friends you choose your future. Take an assessment right now. Who are the five people in your life that you spend the most time with? Guess who you're gonna be like? You're gonna be like them. And so if you have, if you have a friend that's dragging down the average, maybe it's time to replace one of those five. You've got four good ones, but you've got one really stupid one. You know, maybe it's time, maybe it's time to let that one go. Gain some distance. And put, put a role model in your life that you'd like to make your life more like. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. The proverb goes, lay down with the dogs, wake up with the fleas. Who do you spend time with? Who who do you allow to influence you? Who do you allow to speak into your life? For some people, this is social media. Maybe you don't have like actual friends, and so you say, Well, I've got I've got five thousand friends on social media, I listen to their voices. I mean, no, that's gonna drive you insane. You're gonna be confused, you're gonna be depressed, you're gonna be broken. Why? Because the image that you see on social media is the image of perfection, the perfect body, the perfect sense of humor. The perfect, you know, this the TikTok craze is a a 20-second video that is perfect in every way. Life is not like that. Life is not 20-second snippets. Maybe we should lessen our influence of what that is producing in us and walk with someone who has what we want. We can begin to remove the triggers that lead to bad consequences let me give you some examples. If you, uh, at your workplace, it seems like you're not being as productive as you can be. Maybe one suggestion is to leave your phone in another room while you're working. I mean, no, that's a distraction. And all the dings and the bells and the buzzes that come out of it, it's a, it's a, a, a continuous demand for your attention. And like we demonstrated in the first message here, remember, you can only give attention to one thing at one time without your workload being diminished. If you constantly feel like you're not enough, like you're always trying to play catch up with people around you, maybe it would be healthy for you to stop following social media accounts that trigger your jealousy or your envy. Maybe you're here this morning, you have a habit of spending too much time in front of a television. Maybe a good recommendation to stay out of that neighborhood is to take the TV out of the center of your home and put it in the garage in a place where it's inconvenient to watch. You know, uh, some time ago we talked about uh, the standards for ministry. One of those is minimizing our TV time, right? And, uh, and... It's amazing to me when you see home design, you see how people design their living rooms especially, it's almost like it resembles an idol. If you look at homes that have idols, where they have little statues set up, but people go there to worship, you know, there's an idol and there's a frame around it, and there's a little desk with candles, and people can kneel down and pray to their little idol. It's interesting that when people have large screen TVs, and I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not, Sending you to hell this morning. But it's amazing that we set up the whole room around the large screen. And we have a little table. And we have a little shelves that go around it. And all of the attention is focused on the television. So no wonder you begin to spend every waking hour letting the life be sucked out of your brain. No wonder. Because you've made it the center focus point of your entire house. Maybe instead you should put a nice picture and put a, t- a small TV somewhere else that you're only going to spend a half hour on watching your favorite show. Maybe you've wasted too much money on electronic toys and trinkets that wear out in a very short order. Maybe one thing you could do to eliminate that bad habit is to stop reading the reviews and watching every youtube video that's uh that's uh rating uh, how good it is and what's the latest feature and you know you give your time to understanding them and, like, and you're like man the one i got is so crappy i got to get the latest one cuz this one stinks the same one that you uh ran out to buy the first day it was available uh 2 years ago ah oh, it's old now put it in the trash maybe you're having a problem with pornography Maybe you can find yourself never alone with your phone. Put uh, your married men in this place. You can take your phone and give it to your wife. I don't want to look at it until I leave the house again. What I'm saying is that if if you know there's a prostitute in the neighborhood, stay out of the neighborhood. It's a lot easier. You don't have to endure temptation. You can avoid it altogether and reprogram your life in such a way where you begin to become the person that you want to be. Let's close with looking in the mirror. There's a Michael Jackson song about that. In verse 22, James, the apostle says, do not deceive yourself by just listening to the word. Instead, put it into practice. This is the heart's desire of every pastor. Uh, I'm glad if you enjoy hearing my sermons and listening to the words I say, but if you really want to make a pastor happy, do the things that are preached about. Don't just listen to them, do them. If you really love Jesus, he said what? If you love me, keep my commandments. Do the things I've told you to do. Don't just say, good pastor, good sermon.'" He continues in verse 23. If you listen to the word, but do not put it into practice, you're like people who look in a mirror, see themselves as they are. They take a good look and then go away and once forget what they look like. What do you see? If you'd be brutally honest, how I many know a mirror doesn't lie? You can convince yourself, you know, when you, when you've, sometimes, you know, I get myself looking the best that I possibly can, in first thing in the morning, by the time I get home, you know five o'clock, six o'clock, I look in the mirror, and I'm like, Oh, God, what happened? Hairs all crazy, dirt on my face, clothes all dusty because I couldn't see myself. This is what begins to happen when we ignore the Word of God. How many know this right here? This is your mirror. This is what we look into to determine, am I good or am I not? Because when you look in here, when you look at the laws of God, how many know you'll get convicted pretty quick? When you look in that mirror, you'll begin to notice a few things. Oh, oh, there's a eyebrow hair that's like growing out of my forehead. Nobody told me about that. It's so funny. The other day, (laughs) I had this one hair and uh, it's so... It's it's a it's crazy because there's like a hair follicle like right in the center of my forehead right here. And most of the time I'll notice it and I, you know, pluck that thing right out. But for some reason, you know, <laughs> I, it, it was in a place where I was combing it back and then I noticed it in the mirror and it was like, it was like six inches long and all curly. <laughs> and if you were close enough to me, you'd say he looks like a unicorn. It was like, woo, like swirling out in the breeze. Like, how come nobody know, how come I didn't even notice this? Isn't it true? We can have things like that in our lives. Things that we've just been living with. And it's like, you know, it takes some time for a hair to get that long. It takes like months. You know what I'm saying? Like a long time. <laughs> I'm not the only one. And you know, there are things in our lives. It takes time for bad results to result, to occur. It takes time to get into debt. It takes time to get unhealthy. It takes time to have a bad marriage. And if we would begin noticing these things, looking in the mirror with honesty, letting God convict us, it's only then that we can begin building new and better habits. I want to challenge you. Begin to turn things around. Repentance means going a new direction. If you are like Samson, that you've spent the last week walking 56,000 steps in the wrong direction, you know how you get out of that? You turn around and you walk 56,000 steps in the right direction. See, the challenge is that after you've walked 5,000, you're like, man, what's the use like once I'm 50 pounds overweight uh, and I work like a dog and have, you know, watch my diet and I only lose three pounds. Oh, is this even worth it? You know, it took time for me to, to get that overweight. It's going to take time for me to go back in the right direction too. be encouraged in the small victories. Because it is in those small victories that we know we're moving the right direction. Listen, I believe that God has a purpose and a plan. We say that a lot. God has a purpose and a plan. He has an idea for who he wants you to be. But you're not going to make it there just by default. People make that mistake. They think, oh, if I just come to church, if I just hang around Christian people, then I'm going to automatically become the person God wants me to be. That's not true. You've got to want it. You've got to seek it. You've got to be honest with yourself. Look into the mirror of God's Word to figure out where you are so that you can go forward. Eliminate the distractions, the things that lead you to evil. Don't don't put yourself in compromising situations and then be surprised when you fall into sin. Instead, we should notice what are the common triggers, what are the common places, who are the common people that I end up sinning with. And consider, maybe I can make my life easier and more holy at the same time by walking away from that person, by putting the large screen in a small room where I'm not gonna wanna spend a lot of time, right? And if we can identify some of these things in our lives that we can change today, it leads to a much better place and a much better person that God is trying to make you. So let us today, change ourselves from glory to glory into his likeness and his image. And again, I want to encourage you, you're not doing this alone. You and I as believers, as Pentecostal believers, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit who is poured out into our lives to give us strength to be sanctified and to be made holy. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.